Man, yesterday was unbelievable. That was one of the that was the single best message I've heard on the, out of the book of Job. I think in my entire life, uh, Professor Colin Miller. Man, you lit this place up. I, I leaned over to somebody and I said, uh, "How about you preach tomorrow? I don't want to preach after that preaching yesterday." But it wasn't just. Uh, the heart and the fire and the enthusiasm, uh, Professor. It was the depth of that word was just tremendous. It came from a very, very wonderful place. Got some wonderful students visiting today, and uh, uh, we had a big preview last Friday, but uh, we have some more students that have come in this Friday to see the campus. Some parents, we welcome you guys. Hope you have a great visit. There's actually a student here uh, that I dedicated as an infant when they were born. So you got to live a long time, man. I dedicated her. She's actually here, uh, going to be going into college. And we, I think we've made her top three. And we want to definitely be her top one when she leaves this place. Uh, I'm not putting any pressure on her. I'm not pointing you out. I'm just saying that it's just great to have everybody on campus here today. Uh, take your Bibles. We're going to go to Numbers chapter 11. Numbers chapter 11. Um, don't ever think that God doesn't care about numbers, man. He named a book in the Bible, Numbers. Numbers do matter at a certain level. Um, now, after chapel today, I have to split pretty quick. I, I've got a uh, to be in Illinois tonight for the Illinois Youth Convention. Now, this is kind of youth convention um, season. I preached last Friday night in Indiana. I got to be down in, in Illinois tonight and uh, tonight and tomorrow. And uh, Pastor Josh Edmond will be with me as well. Uh, but uh, Jonathan Thomas, one of our great leaders, campus leaders, uh, who helps lead this university, um, helping us in so many different dimensions. Jonathan is going to lead us through the prayer time after chapel today. So thank you so much, Jonathan, for your, for your leadership. All right, Numbers chapter 11. Numbers chapter 11, beginning at verse 1. It's going to be up on the screen, I believe, right here. It says, Now the people complained about their hardships in the hearing of the Lord. Now they did not take their complaints to the Lord. You got to notice it, this in the story. These people did not uh, take their burden to the Lord. They took it to one another. Huge difference between complaining to the Lord and complaining to one another. And watch the different response that the Lord gives to the person who took their burden directly to the Lord as opposed to those who took their burden to each other. It says here that they complained but the Lord heard everything that's spoken in confidence between people. He hears our griping, he hears our woes, he sees our tears, our complaining. But notice, he's not the invited guest into the complaint. He has to overhear because he's God, his ears are big enough to hear. And so he hears everything we say about him, but not to him. So it says here, they complained about their hardships. They've left Egypt, they are well into the exodus, uh, Moses is their leader. This is the early stages of the Exodus, the early stages of what would become a 40-year experience that should have only taken 11 days. It only takes 11 days to walk from, from uh, where uh, Ramses was Pharaoh to the, to, to the mountain that God called them to. It's an 11-day walk. How do you turn 11 days into 40 years? Well, we're going to find out how you turn 11 days into 40 years in your life. Part of it is a culture of complaining. The culture of complaining can turn 11 days into 40 years. It says, the Lord heard it, and when he heard them, his anger was aroused. Then fire from the Lord burned among them, 
and consumed some of the outskirts of the camp. Circle the word outskirts. When the people cried out to Moses, they still didn't cry out to the Lord. They cried out to Moses. He prayed to the Lord and the fire died down. Interesting, we're always praying for fire, but make certain you're praying for the right kind of fire. Some people go, man, we want to be a New Testament church. Really? So everybody that isn't honest in their giving drops dead like Ananias and Sapphira. How, how, how empty would our churches be? How many caskets would and hearses would be out front of the service if we were a New Testament church? So we had to think through some of the things we pray for at times. Now it says here, not to frighten you, uh, but it says here, fire came down, consumed the outskirts. Moses prayed and the fire died down. So that place was called Taborah because fire from the Lord burned among them. Next verse. Next slide. Is there another slide? Right there, here we go. The rabble. What in the world's the rabble? Who's the rabble? What is rabble? So circle the word rabble, and you already circled the word outskirts. So we're going to connect rabble with the outskirts. It says the rabble with them began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing. Now their complaining went off the spectrum and it went, went into wailing and just crying out in agony. If only we had meat to eat. And then they start going down the itemized list of what life was like before they were Christians in this context of the Old Testament. And it's amazing the detail we keep. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. And then they went to the salad bar. Also the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. Putting together this whole recipes. They're crying out about what life is like when you don't follow God. We had a better life before. Always be that temptation early in your Christian life, early in that adult transition where it all, where you have to own all this yourself at this point. We pretty much have created the conditions. We're kind of the transitionary phase in your life at a college like North Central. We still create conditions, but not the kind of conditions that your home created for you with your parents. So you're kind of in this weird butterfly cocoon breakout into this self-governing life in which you will entirely create your own conditions. No one will be there creating them for you. Israel's kind of gone from Egypt in which all the conditions were created for them. They're, in, they're coming out of the cocoon now, learning to be this collective but independent, personalized follower of the Lord. And they're kind of in this in-between stage where their memories are very vivid about life, what life was like before they came to North Central, this other life that they had. And they start presenting the itemized list to the Lord in the form of this uh, you know, recipe of these ingredients. But now we've lost our appetite. We've lost our zeal for living. This whole following the Lord thing has really had not even a, the same effect. It's had a negative effect on my life. I'm here and I feel less alive, less vibrant, less plugged in than I ever have in my life. I've lost my appetite. I've lost my will to win. 
I've lost my passion. I've lost my desire. I've lost my focus. It's a terrible thing to lose your appetite. Now, this wasn't everybody. This was the rabble on the edges of the camp that was contaminating the group. <clears throat> contaminating literally thousands of people with this mindset that we've lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna, this cardboard, this sameness, this repetition. It's tasteless. We remember back when we weren't committed to this thing, when, man, I could eat anything I wanted. Nobody told me what to do. I was free as a bird. However you want to build your recipe, just uh, create your list of adjectives to describe life before. So this is what's going on in the camp. And it started, though, with the people called the rabble. Now, the rabble, friends, these were Egyptians that got in on the exodus. These were people that were not committed to Pharaoh or to Egyptian idolatry, but they were not committed to Jehovah God. They were not committed to the God of Israel. They were committed to themselves. And so what they did is when the door opened in these, this large, vast exodus out of Israel, you had the, these Egyptians that were kind of hanging at the door that kind of went like this and kind of jumped in the crowd and just went along. They, for whatever their motive, I don't know what it was, but they weren't committed to Egypt. They were probably sick of the plagues. They weren't committed, though, to the God of Israel. They weren't, they weren't Israelis. They were just this, this group of rabble that were tagging along in the flow and the momentum of the Exodus. Every church has a group of rabble. Every college has some rabble. Everybody that's kind of on the edges of the community, they're not into what we're into, but they're not into wherever they were at. And they kind of just kind of came in as this group on, at the end or the, as they lost in the crowd. That's the rabble. And they were the first to complain. Now watch this. They start craving the old life, but they, were, they began to take root and have influence in everybody else's life. So they said, we never see anything but this repetition, this cardboard called manna. Next slide, if you will. The manna was like coriander seed and looked like resin. Ugh. I don't know what you're like. We grew up simple, man. We didn't, we didn't have, we had like very little money as a kid. But it was cool, man, because how many grew up off eating uh, a big pan, you pull it out of the oven, mm, big old pan of frozen fish sticks that you've cooked in the oven, fish sticks. I mean, you could, I could eat a hundred of those things. Big old huge mountain of ketchup, some fish sticks, if mom and dad somehow closed a deal, had a little extra coin in the pocket, there was tartar sauce. Tartar sauce? I mean, what kind of, is this a wedding? What are we at? We have tartar sauce for the fish sticks? Loved it. Ego frozen waffles. How many could eat a million of those even right now? Right now. Just putting butter into every little square, just letting it melt in there. And some warm, big maple syrup, and just, you just, 
if it was toasted perfect, your fork would just cut it. It just stuck perfect. That butter and maple. The ego frozen waffle. Take it any day of the week. So we didn't have a lot, but the one thing that I just absolutely, it's like today, Karen, Karen is phenomenal, Mrs. H. She's phenomenal. But she's, she eats stupid things. Okay. First of all, first of all, this isn't her, but I don't know who invented hazelnut cream to put in coffee. No, whoever invented hazelnut should be shot and thrown off the Golden Gate Bridge. I, I, I'm just telling you, hazelnut is disgusting. Worst contribution to my life, this culture. If somebody brings me coffee, I say a little cream, I'm expecting, I can't stand sweet cream. Blech, like that. How many know what I'm talking about? Hazelnut does not agree with you. I don't know what your coriander seed and resin, but bad to the taste, bad to the palate, the texture's all wrong. These people had had it. They wanted garlic and their leeks and their onions and their melons back. I want the old life. The people went around gathering it and then ground it in a hand mill or crushed it in a mortar. They cooked it in a pot or made it look like a loaf of bread and it tasted like something made with olive oil. When the dew settled on the camp at night, the manna also came down. Next slide. Moses heard the people of every family wailing at the entrance of their tents. Like, can you imagine just going outside your dorm? All over Elliott Park, people wailing and complaining of the hummus, Mrs. H, the hummus. Who invented hummus? That's like something you dig out from the garbage disposal down in the sink. Like, oh, there's some hummus. Hummus. The Lord became exceedingly angry, and Moses was troubled. He's the go-between. He has to interpret God to the people, and he has to interpret the people to God. He's stuck in the middle between the Almighty and all of these, literally, hundreds of thousands, a few million people uh, who he can no longer control. Moses was troubled. He asked the Lord, why have you brought me this trouble? Why have you brought it on your servant? What have I done to displease you that you put the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all of these people kind of like yesterday's message with Job? Did I give them birth? Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms as a nurse carries an infant? To the land you promised an oath to their ancestors. I mean, he is pouring out his sorrows to the Lord. Next, next slide. Says, where can I get meat for all these people? They keep wailing to me. Give us meat to eat. I cannot carry all these people by myself. The burden's too heavy for me. If this is how you're going to treat me, please go ahead and just kill me. Kind of the theme of this week. Uh, people asking God to kill them. If I have found favor in your eyes and do not let my 
face, do not let me face my own ruin. I probably have only one time in my life. I was young pastor and I was in a building project. We ran out of money. The grumbling was going on. We're trying to remodel a bowling alley. We needed another three. Every day there was another series of bad news like, oh, the copper wire is destroyed. Oh, that's another 105,000. 105,000? I don't even got 1,500 bucks. I just told the church we needed this to finish the project. I find out more bad news had to, I felt like, um, an inadequate 32-year-old standing up uh, in front of adults, and I felt like this incredible shrinking leader, and I had this big mess on my hands of remodeling this 75,000-square-foot bowling alley, and we ran out of money. And one night, I did. I was there feeling like Moses, and I took my Bible, and I chucked it uh, across the lobby. I was there by myself, just me and the Lord. And I was so frustrated. I chucked my Bible through the lobby, sitting in the corner where this drinking fountain was supposed to go. The place had sawdust. It was unfinished wires, half finished walls. And I was at my wits end and I threw my Bible. That's probably the closest I can relate to how Moses might be feeling. Cause I was at my wits end. I was young and I said, I've screwed up. I've bit off more than I can chew. I don't have what it takes to do this. It's fascinating. That was 1998. And the church was eight years old at that point in time. And it was it. We were going to lose it, lose it all. Spent the money. We needed money. We, didn't, we needed money that I couldn't get my hands on, like several hundred thousand bucks. Pretty much every year I go back and preach. That church is 31 years old now. I was there recently. Two, 3,000 people. One of the great churches in America. And I always park my car, I walk in. I pastored there 11 years, Karen and I. We started in our living room, and then we left in 2001, 1990, all during the fresh Prince of Bel-Air days, or the 90s, great, great era, great era. And, um, and then I left in 01, but I go back and preach. So the church is 31 years old now. And sure enough, I always walk in the lobby. I just did it. It's hundreds of people, vibrant. They have five or six million in the bank, debt-free, 22 acres, 100,000 square foot building on the freeway. We were at the front edge of acquiring all that and going through the grind of all that. I'm sitting in that building. I just walked past it a few months ago. And when I'm talking to this people, I'm about five feet from where I sat in 98 at probably two o'clock in the morning, by the way. I was out of money, but I was down there sweeping up sawdust just because that's all we could afford at that time was me sweeping up sawdust. And I go, I just remember like it was yesterday, throwing my Bible from right there across this. And then I look and I walk in and, you know, Pastor Perry Calavig's the pastor. I was there a year ago on the 30th anniversary and they handed North Central $100,000. He was just here a couple weeks ago, gave us another 17,000 at Partners for Progress. And I remember chucking my Bible in that setting. Um, God didn't strike me with lightning, but I kind of felt like that. Put that verse back up there. Now watch this. We got to go quick. Verse. There we go. Next verse. Next slide. That's the last slide. Oh, yeah, that's verse 15 right there. <laughs> Look at that. So here's the deal. 
Numbers chapter 11, that, yeah, and please hold steady, forgive me, five minutes, hold steady. Numbers 15 talks about the rabble on the outskirts, this, the edges, the edges of the camp. That's usually where it starts to collapse in our life. We get negative about things that matter the least at the edges of life. We start griping to God about onions, melons, creator of the universe, melons. I want a melon. How stupid is that? Got him out of Egypt. Now watch this, the outskirts. If you were to flip the chapter or the page, don't, it won't be on the screen. Chapter 12 of Numbers says, Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife, for he had married a Cushite, someone outside the ethnicity circle. So that ring of confidence, that circle of trust, ethnically had been broken, and they were complaining. Now, Miriam and Aaron were the closest thing to Moses. The rabble were, was the furthest thing from Moses. So here's how the enemy works in our life. We gripe about the things that don't matter. And then we feel a license to be negative about the things closest to us. I'm going to rip my family. I'm going to be negative about the things that matter most. So the things that matter the least, the things that don't matter, and the things that matter. Now watch this. The core and the edge. I want you to think about your life this way. How do I control the culture of the whole of my life. Here's a little formula. Discipline yourself to stop griping about things that don't matter. The stuff on the outskirts. The things that are on the edges of life. Think about what's coming out of your mouth. You're screaming at the creator about onions. Actually, they were just complaining to each other. But God heard it. But then we also feel a license to treat the things that are closest to us with a casual negative tongue. Karen and I, when we were pastors, man, we used to have people come to our house, you know, and one time we forgot they were coming. We literally, it was a Sunday afternoon. I'm walking like literally in a t-shirt and a raggy old pair of shorts. And I walk past the window and I see a couple coming up the sidewalk. I go, oh my gosh, the Smiths are here. I forgot. And so we literally had 25 seconds to clean the house. You ever cleaned a house in 25 seconds? We're chucking stuff in the closet. I'm running through the house with air freshener. Throwing stuff here. I almost fell right there, by the way. Uh, we're throwing stuff under the bed, the closet. They knock on the door. We open it. Voila! We live this way. Aren't we perfect? Boy, it smells good in here. You know, the, the air fresher's still falling through the sky. Like, is, it, is there dew in here? Why, I, why we just shot the house with this? And that whole night, that couple's there. I'm so nice to her, the lady. Really? I'm so interested in his wife. She's so nice to the lady's husband. That's so, really? You drive a truck? That's unbelievable. That's so fascinating. It is fascinating to drive a truck. But So we would go in the kitchen, 
And we're like bah, 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 throwing elbows at each other, like bah, 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 walk around the corner. Oh, really? that is just amazing. I'm the most engaged, amazing male that you've ever met with this lady. Just so kind. She's the most engaging woman to another. Oh, oh, oh. and they're thinking, man, we should be like the Hagans. They're just perfect. We go back in the kitchen. Bah, bah, bah. We lay in bed that night and we go, you were, why did you, you were so, she goes, me, you were so interested in her, like everything she did, she sewed a, you know, she did a stitching of a verse on the, in a frame on a wall, and you thought it was Picasso, like, oh, wow, I've never seen anybody do needlepoint, that's unbelievable. Well, you're just going crazy, because the guy, you know, polishes his own shoes, or whatever the guy said. We started laughing, now watch this, we're done. They said, we're both so stupid. We feel an ability to, because we know each other super well that we can treat each other poorly because we're close. Which is different than complaining about stuff on the edge that doesn't matter. And so we made a commitment that we're going to be nice to people, but we will always be the nicest in our house to each other. Do good to all men, especially to those of the household of faith. I know that's a, a biblical community call to, we got to love the lost, friends, but we're supposed to treat Christians especially well. We don't especially treat non-Christians better than Christians. We do good to all men, but especially to those of the household of faith. So we made a commitment that the Miriam and errands of our life, the things that are closest to us, the people we serve, the Assemblies of God, North Central University, the things that matter most. Just because you're close to me doesn't mean I can be, have a license to be negative. Now, if you read the two chapters later, it simply says this, because when the edge of your life, the stuff that doesn't matter is negative and the stuff that's closest to you, you're negative about that. It says, chapter 15, that all of Israel began to complain. You want to throw away the whole of your life? Take your, your eye off the edges of your life and get lazy yelling at God about onions. And then also get lazy and start ripping on the things that matter most, the closest people to you. The whole of your life will become contaminated. So watch the core and watch the edge. Simple as that. Watch the core concerns of your life. Speak life into those things that are closest to you, the things that matter most to you. You matter the world to me. This school should matter the world to you. Do you understand that the whole goal of this school is to make your degree more valuable in the future than it is now? You burn down the school. You've... De- you burnt down your own reputation and degree. So we're all working hard to speak well and to improve, to close the gaps, to heal the hurts. So that our, when you see a North Central degree, people go, wow, that's a phenomenal school. It's worth more than even when you went here. So that's why I'm not going to burn it down. You can't burn it down. We're shooting ourselves not in the foot, but the head if we do that. So the things that are closest to me, I'm going to speak well. I'm going to seek to be a healer, a peacemaker. The things that don't matter, I'm going to just shut my mouth and not scream at God about onions. How stupid is that?
But you see how the devil uses the outskirts and he uses the heart. So if you keep those two things in check, flourishing, I promise that all of Israel will stay whole. It will not complain because it will have no entry point if the edges and the heart, the things that matter and the things that don't matter, the Holy Spirit controls your tongue and your heart and your thoughts. Let's do it. Let's all stand together, friends. Amen. How many glad you came to chapel on a Friday? God is good. I know several of those have got to get to some events with the parents and the students. Um, we're just going to open up the front here. We've got some of the faculty that is here that lingers for a few minutes. If some of the faculty that's here can just make yourself available just across the front. If on this Friday you have a burden, you, you have a concern at home, a family member that has received bad news. Maybe you're carrying a concern physically in your body, financially. Something's going on that you want personal prayer for. Our team will be up here. Some faculty will be available for a few minutes to pray with you. And uh, if not, man, get together in a circle, your floor. Just take a minute to pray. We kind of keep the room open till 1230. Uh, some stay all the way through. Some stay for 10 minutes. Just to, as you head into the weekend, spending a few extra moments to say, Lord Jesus, I'm all yours today and forever. Uh, God is good. Jesus, I pray as we just head into this great weekend, God, that you would bless every student in their life and their family, God. I pray, Lord, that we would uh, treasure the word. Lord, that we would keep the edges of our life godly. We would keep the core concerns of our life godly, Lord. I pray that the whole of our life, God, will remain, Lord Jesus, close with you, Jesus. It will follow the lead of the edge and the heart. And so, Father, we pray blessing, strength, health. And, Lord, we just give this next few minutes of prayer together to you. These altars are open. Pray in a circle with some people. If you got to go, you know, no, no shade at all. I know people got to get some places. But we're just going to make this a prayer room for the next few minutes. Uh, there'll be some beautiful music playing. Come and find somebody to pray with. If you need personal prayer, they'll be up here. God bless everybody. Amen.